0: March into spring with this unbeatable deal from Breezeline. Get reliable, fiber-powered 500 megabits internet for $39.99 per month, plus a $100 gift card and price lock guarantee. This deal gets even better with a free modem, free installation, and free Wi-Fi your way home. Safeguard your network from cyber threats and manage user access for all connected devices with this amazing offer. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires May 6, 2024. Learn more at Breezeline.com.
1: But for a team to make a, the playoffs with a twelve and twenty record, I think it was like a point thirty four win yes. percentage—the lowest yes. ever in WNBA history. We're I don't a- know, but sometimes <laughs> things like that. Look at you. I don't <laughs> know, but sometimes that little bit you know of luck I'm, is momentum. You know, it's like a spark. You know what? I don't. I know. agree with you. And you know what
2: I'm hearing? I'm what? hearing the Liberty made history. That's what <laughs> I'm hearing.
1: <laughs> oh, is that how you? That's yeah. how you heard it. I mean, that's it's how I hear it. It's
2: a fact. <laughs> Renee, last week, USA Gymnast stars Simone Biles, Allie Raisman and Michaela Maroney and Maggie Nichols testified before the Senate on the sexual abuse investigation involving the former USA Gymnastics team doctor Larry Nasser. The gymnasts also received an apology uh, from FBI Director Christopher Wray for the handling of the case. Uh, however, that apology is far from the justice the hundreds of female – literally hundreds, hundreds, over 200 – female gymnasts deserve after Nasser's widespread abuse. What's so alarming here is that not only did USA Gymnastics do an awful job – in their handling of this case. But now we find out the FBI also failed in numerous ways. One of the FBI agents handling the case has been fired. The other was able to retire without receiving any punishment. I guess the question is, why has this system continued to fail these athletes?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, people are starting to see it more and more, but athletics, sports is a business. Athletes are seen as a product. So when you start to think in those terms of gymnastics is the business so that everyone's going to make sure that the business is okay, you have to make sure the business is running. We have to get to the Olympics. We have to perform. We have to excel. Well, if the product is suffering, like the athlete, even when you think about emotions, you know, mental health is now a thing that's talked about a lot. But if you look at the history of sports, mental health has never been a thing for athletes because... We're the product. We're supposed to just perform and be almost mechanic. You see the NFL, what they're doing now with the celebrations, like athletes and their personalities and their feelings are not a part of the business. That that's like the real answer that people just don't. It's it's simple and it's and you can look at it across all of sports, how athletes are treated, how their mental health is treated, how their feelings are treated. Athletes get thrown away left and right. Isaiah, think about Isaiah Thomas for the Boston Mm -hmm. Celtics. We all know his story. His sister passed away during the playoffs, and what did he do? He played in the playoffs, and that's it. Nobody from the Celtics told him, no, man, take care of yourself. We got you next season. No one said that because why? They traded him away the very next season, even though he gave his blood, sweat, and all of his tears to that organization, and even after he pleaded to stay with them. So I gave all those examples to say that when you look at sports and how it's managed, the business is the only thing that matters to a lot of people. And so the women didn't.
2: I, I think you could argue in the in the specific case of Isaiah Thomas that. And, and I think you could argue very persuasively that that the reputation that that organization got from that has stayed with them and it has had a chilling effect on the way players, I think, view the Celtics. The thing is, with the NBA, you have 30 teams, there's a players association, there's choices. Like Mm -hmm. USA Gymnastics, they're the only game in town. These athletes had no choice but to work through this organization that was simultaneously covering up the crimes of Larry Nassar yeah. and other coaches who had uh, stepped over the line, either abusing uh, athletes verbally, physically, or what have you. I I keep thinking about um, the criticism of Simone Biles during the Olympics. It's and the and the fact that. Here we are. It's 2021. This is years now after the fallout from this case, years after Nasser uh, was committing these crimes uh without any seeming penalty to him. And where are the former execs from USA Gymnastics? Where why is it always Simone and Michaela and Allie Raisman out there talking about what happened. They have already been the focus of this. They've already spoken at length about what happened. They are in the spotlight all the time. They are criticized no matter what they do, despite having lived through all this stuff. What about the people like who actually allowed this to go on? That actually like were people with some sort of management power within USA Gymnastics? Why is it that we never hear from them? Any of these people, like anyone that what had good any- a question.
1: Where are they now, basically, in a sense of, I think the US Gymnastics, they need a clean house, top to bottom, clean it all out. It's rotten there. It stinks. It's rotten. Like, there's nothing, like the more that these gymnasts talk, the more that I'm like, how, like, how did so many people to your point that works for U.S. gymnastics, how, how do you know what's going on? Like, see, that's what I mean. Like, and I know myself, like, so I just like, I can speak firsthand. I know if I was management, look, I'm an executive right now for the Atlanta dream. If mm-hmm. I get a, even a whiff of something, fishy, like that, like something crazy like that, I'm setting it off. Like, I'm going to set it off. I'm going to ring the alarm. I'm going to set it off. I don't care about the season. Like, And I think that people are starting to realize that about us too. Things have to function a certain way. People have to function a certain way, a professional manner. We don't care otherwise. Like, the the sports is is a certain thing that is – we're talking about these women's lives in the sense yeah. of, you know, listening to – Ali talk, and I, you know, I was on the Bob Costas show with her, and listening to her talk, she said after they talk to the senator, after they do an interview, and after they relive what happened, she says sometimes she struggles for two weeks afterwards. She's debilitated sometimes, can't move, just it's still there. This is still a real thing in their world. It's not like, oh, yeah, that happened before, and now these women are being strong and telling their story. They are being strong and telling their story, but these women are still
2: Hurt. Why do they have to be the only ones constantly telling their story? I feel like it's, you know, at this point we're continuing to put them through it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, I, I again, like, where are any of the executives that were involved in in USAG or with the US Olympic Committee? Like, who who dealt with? uh, USA gymnastics who were there at the time that this was going, what did they know about it? What can they say about it? What, what reforms have been put in place? How did this slip through? Because reports were filed, like people, uh, official reports, official like official reports were filed. People, it would later, uh, come out, knew about this before it broke. Uh, it was constantly being suppressed Uh, The FBI agent in charge who was fired was fired because he was asked why, uh, you know, like what they knew about the case. And then he later lied on an interview and then he's been let go. But where are are any of these people to talk about what happened? Because from the perspective of the athletes, we understand what happened. They had no power in that situation to alter anything that was happening, to change. Like they did what they were supposed to do. They competed. And they survived this situation, but who what about any of the people at the controls? It's just wild to me that we don't hear from them.
1: It's wild. And the whole so to that point, the entire board of the USA Gymnastics stepped down in 2018. So they got but free time
2: to they, come to the Senate and, and, and yeah, speak on
1: like, it. <laughs> because was there not and like I'm not saying that every single person there knew. Right. But of all the people there that did know, I just can't believe there wasn't anyone. That took the lead, like to your point that we see these young women, and 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 now we know it was, you know, the amount of of people that whose lives Larry Nassar ruined. We know it's a high number. Was there not one person that was like, you know what, I'm gonna tell it all. I'm gonna tell everything I know from day one. I'm gonna tell you who told me to, because I want to know who was pulling the strings. Like to me, that's. Who told who to be quiet? Who hushed the paperwork? Who? I want to know a full-on, and that's what the gymnasts want to know too. They want to know who, what, where, when, and why, because once you get all that figured out, then you can now understand how it can't happen again. You have to have, like, so we know that this terrible systematic problem was going on at U.S. Gymnastics, but we still, to your point, we don't know what the solution is moving forward. What if another Larry Nassar-esque type of, of creep comes through, what happens now? Like, we need to know, like, I need, Like if I'm going to send my daughter or my son to do gymnastics, I would want to hear out loud what the U.S. gymnastics whole organization is doing to make sure that no foolishness is going on anymore.
2: Michaela Maroney said in front of the Senate panel, quote, not only did the FBI not report my abuse, but when they eventually documented my report 17, 17 months later, they made entirely false claims about what I said. I mean, isn't your next question like, okay, where is this? Where is the FBI uh, agent who took the report? Ali Raisman said, "quote We needed one adult to do the right thing, and that has yet to happen. And there are a lot of people in positions of power that covered up our abuse. It should be noted that because of the FBI's mishandling of this case, Nasser continued to treat patients at Michigan State." Uh, where he practiced in and around Lansing, Michigan, which allowed him to continue to abuse people. Um, it's so gross and troubling to me that all of this, and I'm not saying like if Nasser was famous or powerful, it would make sense. None of this makes sense. But there is an entire mechanism that kicked into gear to cover up Hundreds of sexual abuse cases right. in order to protect one guy who is not who is you can't get another doctor. You know what I mean? Like,
1: yeah. Like, who is Larry like, Nasser? Who the
2: fuck is he? And yeah. that and that is I think that is when when they talk about the systemic issues, there is a system that kicks into gear to protect itself and to protect.
1: And Jason, people in power, that's who the do business. And yeah, and that's the business. That's what I'm talking about, the business yep. of sports to where even how ugly that was, the business of sports went into the normal business of sports, which is protect yourself at all costs, basically. Like, so what is it? How can we minimize the impact? I mean, this is normal things that damage control. These are normal things that people in business know about, but there was nobody that had that moral ground to stand on Like yes There's the business Of sports And I get it You know Like even when we Have things going on With the Atlanta Dream We've had a wild year This year Everybody knows it We've lost We've lost Two different coaches We've had a GM Leave us We've You know There's multiple things That's happened With the Atlanta Dream So yeah We want to make sure That the players Feel as comfortable As possible and, and some damage control Having said that If there was Funny business Going on There's no damage Control for me Like yeah. I Like we got to get you gotta get the rot out. And and I don't understand why no one felt the need to get the rot out. But you know, one thing that I did enjoy was that the judge, so, so her name is Judge Rosemary, she sends Nasser to forty for to forty to one hundred and seventy five years in prison, telling him, I just signed your death warrant. Like to me, I was like <laughs> Okay, baby, yes. Like I cause it's normal. I'm like, is there no one normal in yeah. this situation? That's a very normal comment for the evil that Nasser has done. That's a normal comment. But when you hear all these adults covering up the story, it's like, was there nowhere nobody normal around there? Like what's going on?
2: I mean, to your point about cleaning house. So like, you know, a lot of uh Executives have left, like members of the board, et cetera. have either resigned or or stepped away the uh, CEO of u uh, s. the u s. Olympic Committee resigned in the fallout for this. But it seems to me with like u s with u s. gymnastics, I don't know. Like just start over with a new organ, like literally just start a whole new yeah. organization yeah. from the ground up because it yeah. i it, with the way this was covered up from within, Aided and embedded by the Federal Bureau of Investigations.
1: It just feels to me like, I, I, I,
2: forgive me if I doubt that they are capable of reforming themselves.
1: No, no, just start, just there's nothing to build off of. So if you're talking to, because you're basically saying start it over, and you're right, because there's no rebuild. I don't want to build off of nothing there. Like I would even, and look, I'm at, like detail oriented, so this is in the weeds, but. I would even give the whole facility a makeover. Like, I would hit up Chip and Joanne Gaines. I would tell them, look, we got a project for you. We want these girls to now walk into this gym. We don't want any triggers of things that they might have seen because a training, like a training room is still a training room, even if Larry Nasser isn't there. So they can still have memories that they associate with these rooms and these locations. Redo the whole thing. Start over. Give it a makeover. Make it feel fresh and new so that the women now, when they walk in there, they don't get those triggers, that nasty feel that they might have gotten before. Like, that's a real thing. Certain things can – anything can trigger someone. And so going in that same facility, and those same places, redo, like you said, start it all over. Redo the whole thing. We need a makeover. They need a makeover for all the people working there. They need to just start fresh. That's it. It's over. Okay, so Jason, the playoffs are here, baby. The WNBA playoffs, of course, is what I'm talking about. And now I know my team, the Atlanta Dream, we didn't clinch the playoff spot. So take liners, stay out of my missions and everybody else. But (laughs) there's, there's still room to celebrate because it was another great season and we got playoff action starting this week. One of the playoff teams are your Liberty that just snuck into this weekend. And I have to break this down because this is a wild thing that happens. Everyone knows that the scenarios, oh, if this team wins and this team loses, we're in. And if this team wins and that. So New York had themselves a very (laughs) interesting situation. The last game of the season so there was one the last day of regular season play there was a lot on the line a lot of implications who would make the playoffs was one of those implications and there were three teams fighting for it there was the Washington Mystics there were the Los Angeles Sparks and then there were your New York Liberty who had the worst odds of making the playoffs because for New York to get into the (laughs) playoffs for New York to get into the playoffs you guys had to have Washington and LA lose. For Washington to get in the playoffs, all they had to do was just win. Mm-hmm. They won, they control their own destiny. Yep. They could get in. LA, if they if Washington lost and LA won, LA was in. But as luck would have it, Jason, boy, oh boy. <laughs> did, <laughs> did LA and Washington really serve <laughs> it up nice, Nicole? <laughs> because you your New York Liberty are it, in the playoffs. They secured that eighth seed, man. What? Let's go.
2: Let's go with a 12 and 20. Re- let Listen. Uh, <laughs> won 10 more games than last season, which is great.
1: Okay. For, let me just say
2: this first. You never, so you will sometimes see it in a situation like this where it's like such and such team needs this team to lose and then they get it. That happens. I have, I can't remember the last time <laughs> I saw it where you needed two teams to lose for you to get in and then that team got in. That said, forget this snuck. Forget <laughs> this. It, it, this, is, this is the way the system worked, and the system worked. <laughs> and the New York Liberty is in the playoffs, baby, and I love it.
1: I the love New it. New York bring, Liberty are in the playoffs. And look, like I said, I'm not hating. Bring because us Diana Atlanta bring We didn't Phoenix. even make it. I'm not hating because Atlanta Dream, like I talked about, I'm still repping, as you see. We didn't make the playoffs, but for a team to make a, the playoffs with a 12-20 and 20 record, I think it was like a 0. 34 win yes. percentage, the lowest yes. ever in WNBA history. Wait. I don't know, but sometimes <laughs> things like that. Look at you. I don't know, but sometimes that little bit you know of luck I'm, is momentum. You know, it's like a spark. You know what? I don't
2: know. I agree with you. And you know what I'm hearing? I'm what? hearing the Liberty Made History. That's what I'm <laughs>
1: hearing. <laughs> oh, is that how you, that's yeah. how you heard it? I mean, that's it's a I fact. Heard. It's a fact. And like you said, y'all face now the number five uh, team, the Phoenix Mercury, in a single, single elimination. elimination game. So, like, I don't know. I consider things like that, you know, where everyone talks about it in sports. I don't care how skilled you are. It always takes a little luck to win a championship. Like it's, Yes, and sometimes, always, always. And sometimes the luck could be just as simple as your team staying healthy because that's, that's mm-hmm. very fortunate if you have a healthy team at the end of the year. We see all the time, NBA, WNBA, people are straggling to the finish line, trying to stay yes. healthy, be healthy. So the New York Liberty, their little bit of luck was that on the <laughs> last day of the regular season, Two teams did not win and they're in. And I don't know, Jason, but I think that's momentum. So, in this single elimination game where you only have to win one game to get through to the next round, what are your thoughts on that? Like, what? I mean, well, my f- listen,
2: I'm excited. I'm excited for the team. I'm hoping Diana Tarasi, to your point about injuries and, and, yeah. I hope she, listen, it's an opportunity to get, to get, it's a little extra rest for her. If she's not feeling up to it, maybe don't play.
1: Oh, oh, that's Um, time to get some rest, huh? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
2: But listen, I, the fact that the Liberty and the Knicks have both been in the postseason in a calendar year, I don't take it lightly. That's a good point. Yes, yes, we snuck in, but like, I'm not one of these rings or nothing people like it is. I've seen my team struggle for so long that I just want to be in the mix. I just love being in the mix. I love seeing the postseason. If we get trounced, okay, that happened. But we were in the mix for the Knicks. It was I like, like that. L- listen, it was just, dis- was it disappointing to lose? Yeah, of course. But being in the mix, having home court, like that <laughs> is, a, that is a thing that, I have experienced all too rarely in my fandom Atl, uh, at following, following a New York professional basketball. So I just enjoy it. Like I, I just enjoy it. Bring on the no, game. I, I can't like wait that. to see it.
1: Yeah. I like that to that point. I agree. I think that there, there can be growth without winning a championship. Of course, yeah. when you're on those programs that are used to winning, of course it's championship or bust, but everybody ain't able I wanted to ask you something, though, Jason. There's been a lot of talk. The NBA was doing it as well. But there's been a lot of talk about single elimination games in professional sports. What are your thoughts on that? Because there's been—and I see y'all's tweets. I don't know what y'all want me to do. I can't change the playoff format. But I've seen fans tweet me that— They don't like the playoff format of a single elimination because in pro sports, we need to do series to determine who's the best team over an extended amount of time. What are your thoughts on single elimination games?
2: I love the drama and the excitement is off the charts always because you get get the absolute highest amount of effort and buy-in from jump in a single Elim game. That said, me personally... I like a series, whether it's five or a seven-game series, even a three. I want to see the better team move on or the team that had the most answers for the other team move on. I just, I love the excitement again, but there's a level of flukiness in a single elimination that, to me, while it's exciting, is unfair to both teams. Uh, What do you think? Yeah.
1: I think it's tough. I feel like the single elimination, let's leave it for March Madness. That's what makes March Madness, March Madness, that you could have a number one team. Look, my UConn team, this is what I was terrified of. We were the number one seed going into my senior year. We were undefeated hadn't lost a game. I'm terrified because that does not matter in the NCAA yeah. championships because whether doesn't or matter. not we won lost one game or zero games, if somebody beat us in the round of 32 or 64, we're out of there. It doesn't matter. And so to me, it's like, oh, you work all season long for a certain ranking, and then you could get knocked out, like you said, on a fluke game. We had an off-shooting night, but we're clearly the better team. Yeah, uh, I have Having that. said that, yeah, having said that, I get why the WNBA did it. I get why, again, the business, We I'm just yes, going to start talking business. about sports so that people can understand You get why the business did it, because single elimination brings all the drama that you talk about. It brings the excitement. It brings the heartbreak, and it brings the fans mad. And I don't know if people know, but if the fans are mad or happy, it doesn't matter. They're invested. And so the more that you can get out of that, the better. So I get it for business-wise, but as a player— it, it's just like, uh, I, if I earned a certain seed, I want to be able to play it out and see where we go from here.
2: I'm hopeful, like the NBA moving from a five game opening series to seven game series throughout, that to your point, this is a way to generate excitement get people invested, get new eyes, uh, watching the sport and, and maximizing the opportunity for them to witness something really dramatic. And that over time we will get those series because to me, like as a, as a sports fan, as a fan of basketball, to me, like the the strategic play, the counters, the, the changes, the way teams yeah, exploit the mismatches, the adjustments, that's, All part of the experience of of following the sport and is like the depth, and you realize like how much thought goes into these the preparation for these. You see a superstar
1: have a bad game and then bounce back and come and you know they're gonna bounce back and kill it. Like
2: So I hope that we get to a point where we we can see that earlier in the W playoffs.
1: And real quick, I want to just break down the, the playoff matchup so that people yep. can understand. So the first round, that single elimination that we're talking about, there's two games. Your New York Liberty against the Phoenix Mercury, as we talked about. And then on the other side of the bracket, the Dallas Wings are going to be playing against the Chicago Sky. Single elimination. So the winners of those games will go on for another single elimination round game. Seattle's waiting for the winner of the New York Liberty-Phoenix matchup. And then Minnesota's waiting for the winner of the Dallas-Chicago matchup. Then the winner of that round will go on to now a best of five series. So think about the WNBA's format of single elimination, single elimination, best of five. That's pretty wild. And then the Connecticut Sun will be waiting on the winner of that Seattle game. And then the Vegas Aces will be waiting on the winner of that Minnesota game. So you only get of a series once it's the semifinals in the WNBA. So for me, that feels like we've gotten pretty far before we yeah. get a series. Um, but again, it's exciting. I'll say that.
2: It is exciting.
0: eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease and a whole lot of love, you transform 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
2: Roughly 200 years ago, in the fall of 2019, baseball was rocked by the sign-stealing scandal of the Houston Astros, marked by high-definition ballpark technology, code signaling, and, of course, the use of garbage cans to uh, to signal players. But the story doesn't end there. The legacy of the Astros still permeates baseball as the topic of cheating continues to stay in the news. For more on this, we're joined by award-winning journalist Andy Martino, who's covered MLB for more than a decade. His new book, Cheated, which details the Astros cheating scandal is available now wherever you get your books. Andy, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me, guys. Um, Andy, uh, take us back through the evolution of this scheme and how it was first made public.
3: So the Houston Astros, uh, starting in about 2017, uh, well, let me rewind you just a little bit more. The Houston Astros uh, began their administration under a GM who's no longer with them, named Jeff Lunau, yeah. uh started after the 2011 season and uh, created a culture that was heavily praised in the first few years in some sense yeah. for being very analytically forward and innovative and, all those things were in many senses still true, but there was also uh, a culture of relentless pressure and innovation, which led uh, some of those under Lunau to devise cheating schemes, which manifested on the field in 2017, uh, initially with the use of uh, things like whistling and clapping to convey stolen signs uh, to a batter and uh, eventually evolved into the use of high-speed cameras Uh, A feed of the catcher's hands being pumped to a monitor right behind the dugout and players uh, hitting garbage cans and doing other things, uh, uh, other audio cues to get those uh, signs to the batter. So the batter knew what pitch was coming. That is the most well-known baseball crime that the Astros committed. Uh, That came out in dribs and drabs over the next few years through reporting and rumors and then was busted wide open. Uh, in 2019, a million years ago as you mentioned, uh, which was uh, when Mike Fires, the former Astros pitcher, went on the record to the publication The Athletic, uh, basically detailing these schemes and putting a a name uh, to some of these rumors and reports that had surfaced over the years. But the garbage cans weren't it. Over the next two years uh, the Astros were credibly alleged uh, to have used GoPro cameras in, in visiting dugouts, uh, had flashing yeah. lights in the school <laughs> But yeah, right. It gets crazy. (laughs) Flashing lights in the scoreboard that the Yankees believed in the playoffs are indicating pitches. They continued whistling and doing other things that are uh, not high-tech but but not legal. Uh, So there was a culture of uh, winning at all costs and let's just say not necessarily a whole lot of discussions of the ethics of how they got there.
1: Yo, that's so crazy to me. So you detailed, (laughs) like I'm mind blown. So you detailed all the different methods and ways that the scheme worked, but how in the world is something so sophisticated get hidden so well by the Astros? Like, this seems like a lot, this seems like a lot of people had to know about it. It seems like it had a lot of moving parts. They had to have a lot of people that were working together to make this happen. How did they hide it so well?
3: Well, this is a great point. And and clearly uh, the circle was big enough where it was eventually going to get out. And one of the things that eventually (laughs) took down this, This intelligent organization was, frankly, the arrogance of thinking that they Mm -hmm. could pull something like this off. And there was some willful ignorance, too. There were plenty of team officials who didn't know every detail of what was going on, but maybe didn't want to know the whole thing. However, you get us to the World Series, I don't want to ask any questions. There was some of that. Uh, But it's a great question because there were plenty of players, especially pitchers in that clubhouse, that did not like what was going on and, and grumbled about it to one another. And Mike Fires, who I mentioned before, uh, told every team that he subsequently went to after 2017, hey, the Astros are doing this, be careful of them. So it does eventually get out. And in retrospect, you're like, it is kind of inevitable, almost comically inevitable it would get out. But you guys know sports too. And the other thing I'll say yeah. about this is that there's a code of in a locker room, what goes on in here stays in here. And in some ways... Uh, and, and and I'm not telling an athlete anything that you don't know, but in some ways that can be good, right? Like in a limited way, like there's a bond in here that's close and we're not going to tell people what goes on. But in many ways, of course, uh, when it comes to cheating or, or other behaviors that have nothing to do with cheating, but uh, things that are covered up within locker rooms that probably shouldn't be. So there's a little bit of that too, I think of that code of silence that took a few years to, for someone to, to violate.
2: You mentioned that the Astros were previously praised for being a very analytical organization for um, using their wins and losses very strategically as they were building yeah, towards oh yeah. this team that was you, you eventually going to. Yes, <laughs> I wanted to be uh, <laughs> diplomatic about it as they were building towards this uh, team that eventually made it to the World Series. Um, Sign stealing baseball is is not new. Uh, it goes on. Currently, I'm sure it's going on now. When did it, in the minds of people involved, and in the minds of the Astros' critics, officially cross the line and become something that was that was beyond the pale? That's one. And then the second thing is, you mentioned mm-hmm. like the, the, the lights and the scoreboard. But Altuve's body buzzer is another allegation out there. Have we gotten to the bottom of all the methods that have been used?
3: Well, two good questions. I'll, uh, the the yeah. first one, in terms of... Uh, <laughs> when did it cross the line and why is this worse or is it worse? Yeah. It have been going on for more than a hundred years. That was my main question. Writing this book was, is uh, were the Astros just the ones that got caught or were they really worse and less ethical than, than other organizations? And this one actually in a sport where there's a lot of unwritten rules that can be unclear, <laughs> I found that there was a very clear, uh, consistent, so-called unwritten rule about this—it's persisted for more than a century, and it's basically this. Uh, and there's a quote in the introduction of my book that really I felt satisfactorily answered this question from Ty Cobb, who of course played more than a hundred years ago, and he said, uh, and this is what baseball people still tend to believe that if you can use your eyes and your intellect uh, and your knowledge of the sport to figure out what the pitcher is going to throw on the field of play between the lines, and if you can use hand gestures or uh, or uh, some kind of very subtle little language to get it from one teammate to another. That's all well and good. That's on your opponent and that pitcher to protect his signs, not tip off what he's going to throw. And that's the, the work of being an intelligent baseball player. But once you go outside the field of play and use technology, uh, in 1900, it was literally opera glasses, like telescopes <laughs> and little little <laughs> primitive electronic buzzers and things like that persisting into the 20th century, basically the same moral thing, moral choice as a high-speed camera just for a different time, but the Astros did. Those things have gone on and they've always been considered wrong, really beyond the pale. So when the Astros crossed the line was when they had video technology that was being used with no runners on base, nobody there to look at the catcher and use his brain, but just there's the catcher's hand on a video and thunk, let me, let me, bang on this garbage can or ring the dugout phone or drill a drill into the, there was another one. This one didn't get as much publicity. <laughs> yeah. A coach would sit in the dugout and when a certain pitch was going to come, someone from behind, there's these things called Theraguns, the massage yeah, yeah. guns that are kind of like a drill, right? Yeah. yeah. So you drill yeah. a Theragun into the wall. The coach feels the Theragun vibration and goes, up. Change up. Uh, so those are all beyond the pale. Not okay, right? Yeah. Yeah. So so there's an athlete saying, like, this doesn't sound quite right, right? Like, as a, it, yeah, it's just o- over the line. That's crazy. Um, now, your second question, uh, where are we on some of these allegations? Uh, I dug into all of them, and I actually found that, in some ways, Jose Altuve's gotten a bad rap on all this because when the Astros go around the country – Altuve kind of becomes the face of this, yeah. and, uh, and he, by all accounts, was actually not someone who ever wanted to know what pitch was coming. Now, this isn't necessarily a moral choice. This can be uh, just as simple as some batters don't want to know. Their approach is, I don't want to think, I just want to react. Whatever it was right. for Altuve couple times in 2017, the garbage can would bang during his at-bat to give him the sign, and he would stop what he was doing, glare into the dugout, and the teammates would be like, oh, shit, he doesn't want it. Stop. And that was Altuve. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, so this allegation that he wore a buzzer, i, I it's hard to prove a negative, right, say this right. definitely did not happen. I will say that this is a guy that didn't want the pitch, and this is a guy, it, there's nothing beyond some, like, Reddit and anonymous Twitter stuff, really, where this comes from. So I actually didn't find that allegation to be um, like verifiable on Tube. I think where where the Astros are at fault there is that they did some things, so they don't have credibility when they deny the things that they actually didn't do. Uh, the yeah. flashing lights in the the flashing lights in the scoreboard, which is in the same series, like same game against the Yankees yeah. in 2019 playoffs, is the buzzer allegation. That that is more credible because. Where that came from was a Yankee official was in the luxury box with the other Yankee officials in the suite watching the game, saw the pitches flashing, asked the Yankee scouts, would you please look at that and tell me if that seems like it corresponds with a particular pitch? And the scouts were like, yeah, those blinking lights are saying fastball off speed. And um, MLB looked into it, told the Yankees, no, it was an LED uh, TV in the in the session area. But the Yankees didn't believe it. They even looked into what LED TVs do, and they don't flash in that way. So that one's got a little more legs to it than the buzzer.
1: Wow. That's really crazy. And I'm still stuck on, because, mm-hmm. again, I'm an athlete. So I'm still stuck on the fact that the players knew. So the Astros won the World Series against the Dodgers in 2017, which we now know the Astros were using Correct. some sign-stealing techniques. but. The Dodgers, we know their views have changed, but what do you think the players in that moment, like even you talked about the glare, I don't want to hear the banging of the trash can, but what do you think the locker room was like for the Astro players, just kind of knowing that we're going into each game cheap. Great
3: question. I think that people are really good at compartmentalizing, right? And we all have coworkers that probably act in ways that we don't like. To be clear, Almost all the Astros hitters were in on this. Uh, so it wasn't as if there was a ton of dissent. Right? Um, but well, there's, there's there is that. There is that. Um, there's the manager, AJ Hinch, who is no longer their manager, but who has lo- said since that he was really opposed to it and he failed as a leader by not standing up to it and just by saying, I don't want to rock the boat. Um, and then there were players who felt like, Oh, come on. What's the big deal? Everyone's doing it. All the other teams are doing it. And there was a lot of that mentality in the locker room too at the time. Like we have to, it's part of what I was saying with the Astros front office before. They were so innovative, but they were also paranoid that they weren't the biggest innovators. So if you think that another team is stealing science, well, you better do that too. And one Astros player a couple years later, when I was reporting on the book said to me, uh, it was sort of like we were behind a curtain in 2017, and we were like, everyone else is doing this. And then the curtain came down, and we looked around the league, and we were like, oh shit, not not everyone else is doing this. So that they're part of that. There was a little bit of a delusion at the time that you that exactly that that it was more widespread than it was.
2: Um, speaking of that series, uh, you Darvish was uh- yeah infamously pulled during that series because he was just getting absolutely shellacked would later uh, talk about how he struggled with the kind of emotional fallout of that series. How do we, how do we view the legacies of the players who were uh, directly affected by the Astros beating them in these big moments, the Yankees, the the Dodgers, like what, what recourse is there if any for them in this? Well,
3: other than winning in the future, and that's a pretty, yeah. if you're then, that's a pretty cheap answer because you were cheated of something at the time. Uh, the Dodgers are probably, the sting is probably off a little bit for those of the Dodgers who remained there when they actually did win the World Series a few years yeah. later. The Yankees feel uh, really victimized in a number of ways here and that uh, they really had a window to win at that time. And the Yankees are having a, a very mixed year right now, which is further evidence that that may have been their window. And we don't know yeah. if they would have won right. the World Series if not for the Astros. But the Astros stopped them in the ALCS twice during, during those yeah. years when they were cheating. Uh, so there's that for the Yankees. And there's the fact that the Yankees uh, have been accused of doing a lot of these things. Uh, and each time they were investigated by MLB, those allegations haven't checked out. Uh, so they've both been accused of being a perpetrator and they feel like a victim. Uh, not a lot of people across the country, not a lot of sports fans are going to have a lot of pity for the New York Yankees, you know, nor, <laughs> nor should they necessarily. <laughs> yeah. But in this particular case, uh, it affects the legacy of, I mean, Aaron Judge. What if he never plays in a World Series? These opportunities right. are fleeting. Uh, Aaron Boone, Brian Cashman. What if these guys uh, it's at a certain point aren't able to continue having their jobs because they haven't won? these are the things that really do have consequences. And this is why, you know, I I cover New York baseball for my day job. And I was at Yankees spring training when all this was coming out in the spring of 2020, just before spring training shut down because of the pandemic and the visceral anger. This wasn't performative. This wasn't sound bites. Um, The Yankees front office, the players, the coaches, they were so mad at the Astros and so mad that the apologies that that they were seeing seemed half-hearted and, the Astros are claiming it didn't help them actually win. <laughs>
2: yeah.
3: Uh, the, the the which is I obviously mean, come on. Absurd. Why do you
2: yeah? Why yeah. do you do it for years if it doesn't help
3: you? <laughs> well, exactly, exactly. And so it, there, there's a lot of bitterness in the in the Yankee organization and, and other teams too. Teams that they played in the AL West, the Oakland A's, um, etc. I mean, plenty of opponents have uh, a lot of anger. And that, by the way is one of the reasons why I felt like this was a legit story to tell, because it wasn't just the media making this into a story. It was people in baseball, including star players like Aaron Judge and Cody Bellinger and Glaber Torres uh, saying, no, this is wrong. And and that is to be taken seriously, I think.
1: I'm just still shocked about the whole thing, even though I've known it. I'm I'm still shocked just to hear how sophisticated. I, I think that's what's blowing my mind, because like, Sometimes if one person's cheating behind the scenes, it's one thing. So I'm just like for so many people to be coming together to do it for so many people to know it. I'm still curious. What's the craziest conspiracy theory or story (laughs) you heard about sign stealing while like while writing this book and gathering information? What was like something that just shocked you? Oh boy, that's a good
3: question. I mean, I think. The 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 buzzer thing is well known. It, it, that's a pretty the, the if guys are actually wearing wearable technology that vibrated to show a pitch activated by someone in the stands. That's a pretty shocking allegation. That would be, um, and and as I said, it didn't it didn't yeah. check out. But the one I'll tell you the one where Seattle Mariners, uh, came into play the Houston in 2018, which is not a season where there's a lot of allegations there. But like I said before, they get to the dugout, their dugout and in Houston's ballpark and they see GoPro cameras just under their bench and they cover them with towels and they complain to MLB and, and keep playing the game. Stuff like that never got resolved. Like what were you hoping to do with that GoPro? What information were you hoping to gather? So there still are some pretty surprising uh, threads that aren't out there.
1: And do you know what they were trying to gather? Like I'm curious. Like, what no. was the GoPros do like under the seats like that?
3: I do. I do not know. And no one was able to answer that because the Astros wow. deny it. But the Mariners were like, no, really? Those were there. We covered them up and we played the game. So I would say there's just this unlimited supply of weird stuff and allegations and things that (laughs) I tried to get to the bottom of as many of them as I could. Like I followed every thread that I could, but there's so many and and some of them just don't, um, still don't quite add up. Uh,
2: The Astros faced uh, some penalties. There is a $5 million fine, uh, draft picks forfeited, uh, front office suspensions. Uh, but I think a lot of people, and I think the general consensus is that the punishments were not strong enough. Do you get that sense? Is that the consensus? And two, were the penalties be harsher if not for the pandemic? That's an interesting
3: question. I, you know, on the one of were they strong enough? Uh, this is one where the commissioner's office is actually in a tricky spot because it's the players association in this case that would fight every suspension. Uh, And then it was the players who were saying, you know, the opponents who were saying you didn't punish the Astros players enough or at all really. So if you're the commissioner on that one, you're like, your union wouldn't have let me. So I do get how from a bargaining standpoint, that was a tricky one. It wasn't great optics because there was a crime committed to the sport and, and the players weren't punished.
2: I mean, Manfred is there primarily to be aggressively con- confrontational with the union. Like, so it is a weird one to be like, "Oh, I don't know. I don't know if we that's can do yeah. yeah, that's an interesting
3: point. I think on that one, he knew he's also been negotiating with yeah. them for like 30 years. And he knew I can either put out this report on one day in January and try to put this behind us or we can uh, fight these one by one and, and battle out all like suspensions for players uh, and this thing's going to drag on forever. So as a PR standpoint, there, it may have been a PR miscalculation because it was seen to be not harsh enough, but I think that that was the calculation. And also because they don't have subpoena power, uh, yeah. they felt like they had to, in order to conduct an investigation, they had to offer immunity pr- prior to anyone coming in and, and, and testifying basically. So that's all of why it happened. And then when other players said it wasn't harsh enough, um, that was a gut check. It didn't feel harsh enough, but I'm not sure what you can do.
1: You know, it's interesting because you talked about the players union and when the players are involved in the infraction, it makes it a little interesting because the players union is supposed to be fighting for the players. So now that you talked about the position the commissioner is in, I'm curious then the executive committee members of the players union, like what was their stance on it then? If the commissioner can't really come down as hard as he would want to because of the protection of the committee, like, well, what was their stance in it?
3: These are great questions. And, 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 and they're the right ones for the commissioner in this sense, Cause like, would it really have been impossible? Yeah. Or are you just saying it was impossible? Did you pull the executive yeah. committee? These are great questions. I can tell you that, uh, the executive board, which of course changes year to year, and I'm thinking of the players who, the, even right there, it would have been complicated. For example, uh, Garrett Cole is on the executive board. He wasn't then, but I'm just it's like an intellectual yeah. exercise. Well, Garrett Cole was an Astro in the in the final two years of the Astros cheating. He he wasn't a hitter, but he was a teammate with these guys who did it. Now he's a Yankee. The Yankees are mad about this. Uh, he answers yeah. the he works for Yankee management, but he also works on behalf of as a member of the executive board, he works on behalf of the Astros players. So his job in the executive board would be to advocate for L2 and not be punished. Uh, so where that almost makes your head spin. All those yeah. <laughs> complicated dynamics are like, well, what, how would he come down on that? How would Astros players uh, and Dodger players on the executive board be opposed to one another? Yeah. Could the commissioner have gathered that information and dealt with it with the union before making this decision. Now that is, I, I, I think you're hitting on where there might be some room to question the process. Cause I can tell you from my reporting that the decision to offer immunity happened really quickly. There was like a day or so after that athletic report came out where the commissioner's office was thinking, okay, what do we do? How do we deal with this? Then they were thinking, is there any way we can get this information without needing the players can we talk to the managers who aren't represented by the union can we get all the full story from an ex-coach or something like that and they eventually were just like nah forget it we're just gonna do what we usually do which is offer immunity to talk and and that's what we're gonna do so that's what they did but that decision was made quickly enough with that diligence that you guys are talking about yeah uh yeah that those are fair questions for mlb
2: Uh, We recently saw some uh, tensions in the uh, Mets-Yankees subway series. Francisco Lindor said the Yankees were whistling signs. uh, Benches cleared. In the course of your reporting, in the course of you covering MLB, what are the rumors about the state of sign-stealing right now? Who's doing it? Is it happening, and how?
3: Great question. I actually... Strongly believe that the Astros scandal had a chilling effect on the most serious kinds of sign stealing, because it was a gut check on how many players thought it was wrong. Yeah. But now they think about it more, um, and also now a lot of this came from the new technology, from high speed cameras to instant replay, all in the past decade. And it was like all these new toys that to steal signs with for a couple of years, and now players have had the chance to reflect on it. So, I would be surprised if what was going on. In 2017, 18, and 19 around the league. And, and to be clear, the Astros were the worst, but other teams are playing in the gray area of this stuff, including the Yankees and Dodgers. Yeah. Admittedly, they're themselves admitted they're in the gray area. Um, now, what, what we saw in the Yankees Mets game that you mentioned was uh, Taiwan Walker, the Mets pitcher, is tipping his pitches, meaning he's doing something with his actual body that shows yeah. what he's going to throw, right? And um, someone in the Yankee dugout either whistled to show he was tipping or didn't, depending on who you believe. But so that's, a, if he was doing that, that's actually illegal. It's against the rules. Um, and it's part of the whole package of what the Astros were doing. Um, but because it didn't involve technology, uh, it wouldn't be the kind of violation that would rise to the level of scandal. Right. And it's often the kind of thing that one player can do on his own. It doesn't require a systemic organizational culture, right? It can right. just be... Yeah. Wandy Peralta, the Yankee reliever, is who it was. He might have seen something and been like, "Yo, fastball!" Right, and it's not like the GM and the manager were involved, right. right? So that that obviously, again, it's hard to prove a negative, and I'd hate to, you know, sit here and say that something's not happening and we just haven't discovered it yet. But talking to players, interacting with front offices, I really don't think there's serious electronic science going on right now. The pandemic put a chilling effect on it a little because you literally couldn't use. Um, the clubhouse in the same way because of the COVID protocols, but also just the morality that players yeah. now see in it after the Astros.
1: The book is Cheated, the inside story of the Astros scandal in a colorful history of sign stealing. It's available now where you get your books. Andy, thank you for joining us.
3: You guys are great. Great conversation. Thank you.
2: Take Survivor, the game where only the strongest take wins. You know what it is. Joining us today, he is a producer on this podcast. He is Zuri Irvin. Zuri, how are you?
5: You know, I'm feeling good. Um, I hope we just all have great takes and, uh, and just enjoy this edition of Take Survivor. <laughs> I hope we all win. Is that
2: possible? <laughs> uh, we're hoping that everybody wins as well. Let's socialize the winning. Uh, joining us today for her first attempt at the cup, it's Crooked Media is on Kendra James. Kendra, how are you?
6: I'm Welcome. great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, I hope there's nothing about football in here.
2: Welcome, <laughs> well, well, we will see. Welcome to the island. Uh, in the back, will you please add uh, five football questions? And joining <laughs> us today, he is a producer of this podcast. He is Elijah Cohen. Elijah, how are you?
4: Hungry, Jason. I'm hungry for a win. And I'm ready to eat.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Knife and fork out, napkin tucked into his collar. And then finally, oh, she is a two-time WNBA champion and co-owner of the Atlanta Dream and co-host of this podcast. She is Renee Montgomery. Renee, how are you?
1: I'm feeling really good. I, I'm i feeling bad that Zuri wants everyone to win because I don't know who's going <laughs> to tell them. I'm just curious who's going to tell them. <laughs>
5: Uh,
2: the tribe will speak uh, in about two minutes. <laughs> the tribe will speak. Now, a quick update on the rules. For those of you just joining us for the first time, we were going to have three rounds, three different prompts. I will ask a question. The contestants will give their best take on it. Everyone in the Zoom, including the contestants themselves, will then vote on who had the worst take. That person will then be ejected from the island. When we get to the final round, votes will be cast for the winning take. For the winning take. Everybody ready to go? Let's get it. Great. Yes. yes. Round one. Prompt one. Recently, a Missouri state court judge ruled against the NFL's effort to have the case against the St. Louis Rams for leaving the St. Louis market thrown out. Folks, which fan base in sports in entertainment in anything what fan base should sue their team or show what fan base should sue their sue their team show or whatever kendra what fan base should sue
6: okay here we go the fans of pitch should be able to sue
4: fox
6: i am still mad about that (laughs) show going off the air that was a big year for me pitch was debuting Uh, The Cubs were making a World Series run. Uh, Diehard Cubs fan. It was just like a really, it was a really, really big time. I was excited for that show all summer. Got, I don't know, I want to say it was like seven or eight episodes. And then it ends with a main character, Ginny, getting Tommy John surgery at the end of her season. No conclusion. I got no finality. I got nothing.
2: (laughs) That is the amount of emotion that Kendra is bringing (laughs) to this justice for... Fans of pitch on Fox. Next, Elijah. Elijah, who should sue? What fans should sue?
4: Jason, this one's easy. It's the Philadelphia 76ers. Look, if your team is bad outright, at least they just crush your hook early. The 76ers have the audacity to enter, I would argue, into a contract with their fans, getting them to trust the process. Taking them all the way to the Eastern Conference finals to the playoffs, just ripping their hearts out. I can see it right now, billboards outside of Philadelphia. Did you trust the process? You may be entitled to financial compensation. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: sue
4: that organization.
1: Wow, Elijah came today. Whoa. 888 <laughs> well,
2: 8888. Eight, eight, eight. uh, it's for Elijah Cohen. Next up, Zuri. Zuri. What fans should sue?
5: Wow. Well, well um, I'm here to present the case for the cities of Los Angeles and Anaheim against the Los Angeles Angels. This is a joint suit between Angels and Dodgers fans. The main tenet of this case is just that the Angels are making LA look bad. From 2005, <laughs> from 2005 to 2015, they were the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. They made the playoffs five times in 11 years. They've been the Los Angeles Angels since 2016 and haven't made the playoffs with two of the best players in the sport. This is something that both people in Anaheim and L.A. can agree on. And uh, whether or not we win, we just want to stop the Angels from dragging the city of L.A. uh, down to the dumps. And also, the rally monkey was stupid. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Ah!
2: Wow. And finally, Renee, who should sue? What fans should sue?
1: Oh, come on, you guys. We got to have a class action here. And we're suing the NCAA for multiple infractions. First of all, we're suing them for how they treated the women. We saw the locker room. We saw the food. We saw that they didn't allow the use of March Madness on the women's side. What are you thinking, NCAA? And as if that wasn't enough, they wanted to follow up that act with how they treated name, image, and likeness. They didn't want the athletes to get all the money. Now they want a piece of the cut. What are you doing, NCAA? This one's such an easy thing. They've treated us all poorly. It's a class action against the NCAA. We're suing. What a heated
2: round. Full of excitement, and now we go to the voting. Reminder, everyone on this Zoom, cast your votes, send them to producer Carlton, who will then send them to me, and we will discover who is ejected from the island first. Will it be Kendra, who says, once and for all, justice for the series pitch, justice for Kylie Bunbury, justice for Mark Paul Gosler, justice for Mark Consuelos, justice for... Did Ali Larder get soft canceled? I'm not sure. I feel like that might have happened recently. Soft, it I'm was I'm not a sure. <laughs> but, and justice for baseball, uh, fictionalized baseball on television. Will it be Elijah who says uh, dial 1-8888 uh, to, to cast a, a lawsuit against the 76ers for failing in their contract with their fans uh, known as The Process? How dare they how dare they have such audacity? The audacity of nope. Zuri says it's the, it's the Anaheim angels. Come on. The Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim uh, were once a, a franchise that was consistently in the mix. Now they're never in the mix. And what's going on? Shohei Otani is just out there toiling uh, to do nothing. Great pitching uh, performance by him recently. Or will it be Renee who says, "Listen, the NCAA, what do are we suing them for? How about everything? But specifically, how about like the poor gym facilities, the uh, the bungled response to name, image, and likeness, and the fact that they just suck in general? And the votes are coming in now. The votes are coming in now, folks. And here we go. We have one vote for Zuri. One for Zuri. We have one vote for Renee One for Zuri One for Renee One vote for Kendra It's spreading around folks It's a three way This is crazy Renee Zuri Kendra And then The rest of our votes Unfortunately are for Zuri Our first (laughs) ejectee from the island Zuri Zuri uh, What do you have to say For yourself
5: Um I'm gonna sue Take line For emotional (laughs) 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 Uh, yes, you know, sorry. I, I, I'm a part of this all the time. I can't get out of the first round. Um, maybe it's a problem. I don't know. But um, you'll hear from my lawyers sometime soon.
2: Well, we have a. If you don't have counsel, there is one on the Zoom right now. Uh, oh my
4: gosh. That's maybe hilarious. in time with the financial compensation. <laughs> That's right. Let's talk after. Thanks, guys. Moving
2: on to round two. Recently, of course, uh, the state of California went through a, a recall effort. Uh, where Radical Republicans are attempting to recall the uh, Governor Gavin Newsom. That uh, attempt failed in approximately seven and a half minutes at the cost of some half billion dollars. Your prompt. Who or what should be recalled? Should be recalled. We're recalling this thing. Who should be recalled? Kendra, who should be recalled?
6: I would like to recall the Winter Olympics 2022. Um, Wow. It is an assault. It is an assault to have to put me through another Olympics. Six months (laughs) after the Summer Olympics ended. There is a reason these things are separated by two years. It's because I do not have the energy to put uh, all of my emotional well-being into track and field athletes and then immediately into my figure skaters. I don't have that capacity. I don't have that time. Um, I'm busy and I have things to do. And I'm really upset that I have to pay attention to a figure skating season right now when I um, (laughs) am, when I'm doing other things.
2: Recall the Winter Olympics. I love it. Wait, do they have a different theme? No, you're right. You got got the John Williams. You got the John Williams Yeah, I got the right one. Uh, Elijah, what should be recalled or who? Uh,
4: Jason, I'm going to say that direct democracy should be recalled. There's too much (laughs) democracy in California, look. Our we live in a
2: republic.
4: Our direct democracy in California was put in place because some railroad owners ran the state. That time has come and gone. Big money has taken over this direct democracy, exploited it. That's why I learned from the California recall. Too much democracy here. Recall
2: direct democracy. Wow, wow, recall recalls. That's the better, that's the better version. And we're gonna workshop that out for you. Uh Renee. What should be recalled? What do you want recalled?
1: Well, you know, I live in Georgia and I feel very liberated in saying this for Californians. They need to recall how they're doing housing and the mortgage and the price points of everything there. I feel like it's gotten so high that it can't be sustained anymore. And they need to just get to the point where they pop the bubble, recall everything, bring it back down to a normal livable price point because... People go there and then they just return. They've returned to Cinder because it's just too expensive. So let's recall how they're pricing housing all the way around.
2: Wow, that is that one hit uh, that one hit home. Let's go <laughs> to the voting. Let's go to the voting. Who will be ejected from the island next? Will it be Kendra who says, folks, we just did the Olympics. Now we're doing it again. I don't have time to like get invested in bobsledders, figure <laughs> skaters, skeet, all the stuff. Curling, it's like, now I gotta read the same blog about curling. Hey, we care about curling. Stop it. Get that wheel of cheese off my screen. (laughs) Will it be Elijah who says, listen, direct democracy, I know everybody loves it. Yes, we loved uh, when the Greeks put those little tiles in the pots and then they counted them out you know three thousand years ago or whatever but guess what we need some representative democracy right now and we can't be doing these recalls at the time and spending 400 million dollars on it when we need other things recall the recall will it be renee who says listen guess what to paraphrase a great new york city politician the rent is too damn high the mortgage is too damn high (laughs) everything it's all too damn high it's crazy the prices out here are nuts and there's various reasons for that including the zoning including the NIMBY dynamics and whatever here come the votes now I can't wait to see who will be evicted next we have one vote for Elijah we have one vote for Kendra we have another vote for Elijah that's two votes for Elijah one vote for Kendra Whoa! Another vote for Kendra. It's two-two. Elijah Kendra, Winter Olympics versus direct democracy. One vote for Renee does not move the needle. What? Renee safe for now. Oh, this is this is the tension. You can cut it with a knife. And
1: <laughs> the suspense. Uh, I just want and to take final, this
4: time to apologize to our Olympians.
2: Final vote. <laughs> final vote is for Elijah. He's out. Oh. Elijah, what do you have to say?
4: Direct Democracy has let me down again. <laughs> and again, <laughs> I would say to all the curlers, ice skaters, downhill skiers, and Cop Strange in this episode, I'll be watching, I'll be supporting you. Can't say that of the rest wow. of my very older supporting people here.
2: Pandering, directly pandering to the big wig, fat cat television executives. On the way out, Elijah Code, we we salute you. Um, it is, wow, the irony. I did not even think of the irony of direct democracy killing Elijah right here. And now we move to the final. <laughs> Kendra versus Renee. And our final prompt, are you ready?
6: Give it to me. Who else can I upset?
2: <laughs> so uh, <laughs> recently, <clears throat> recently it came to light that... Uh, The cousin of Nicki Minaj, the friend of the cousin of Nicki Minaj, uh, may or may not have experienced symptoms uh, that were related to the COVID vaccine, and those symptoms apparently were the swelling of the testicles. Now, uh, whether or not that's true, and we believe it to be false, it has been (laughs) spoken with some authority by various health officials that that is not a thing that happens. Your question, what will be the next fake symptom your cousin gets from the vaccine? Kendra.
6: Well, see, I was speaking with my cousin this weekend, uh, and they let me know. (laughs) 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 They got vaccinated, and you know what happened? They're now too employed. Their job just keeps having them come in because they are vaccinated and they, you know, they lost some people because they had to be fired because they were not vaccinated and, you know, can't have those people interacting with customers. Uh, and so now instead of working, you know, her standard uh, 39 hours a week, the 39 is the cutoff for the health insurance. So they, they never get yeah. for 40. Too much employment. That is it.
2: <laughs> Too much employment. Renee, what will be the next Fake symptom your cousin gets from the vaccine.
1: It's crazy because I was talking to my cousin this morning too. What's really <laughs> crazy about it is that they told me something wild when they got the vaccine. All of a sudden, people started to attack them and say that they were ignorant. And they used to say that they don't know what's going on. So when you get the vaccine, a symptom is that you will get trolled by people that apparently know more science than the scientists and that you're going to be bullied and you're going to be attacked for wanting to protect yourself and your family. Look, it was crazy when my cousin told me this this morning, but it's really happening out here. So I don't know if it's a fake symptom or fake news or what, but it's happening out here to my cousin and it must be stopped. Did you suggest they delete
2: their Twitter account? Ah! (laughs) They should do that in general. Let's go to the voting. A reminder for everyone uh, who is a voting member and participating in direct democracy: you are voting for the winner today. You are voting for the winner in They're this round. Democracy. And who will it be? Will it be Kendra, who recently spoke to her cousin, and her, and her cousin said, listen, here's the thing that happened to me. I got the vaccine, and now I'm working too much. I have benefits now. I have dental. I have vision. I hope that's the case. I have the little spending card that takes the money out pre-tax. Maybe I have a 401k or a Roth IRA or something like that. I can see the doctor with one of those 30 to $50 co-pays, and, and that happened to me. Uh, or will it be Renee who says, I spoke to my cousin, and my cousin says a symptom that they are experiencing is that they are being attacked uh, for being ignorant and taking the vaccine in general and not taking one of our safe and well-researched medicines like anything that you give a horse for any of the various equine maladies that are out there
1: crazy out here
2: voting is taking place now let me just say winner votes are coming in let me just say like everybody that i know who is one of these i won't take the vaccine i need to do my research people are like the people that i would hang out with that i've seen like like buy drugs from someone (laughs) they they kept the drugs like in their sock and then they'd snort like some powder they they got out of someone's sock it's like, now you want to do <laughs> research, and now you're going to do research. Get out of here. Here are the winner votes. We have one vote for Renee. Mm. We have another vote for Renee. Two votes for Renee. We have one vote for Kendra. Two votes for Renee, one vote Kendra for the win. Another vote coming in. We got those three dots. This is so exciting. <laughs> and, folks, it is a sweep. All of the following votes are for our winner of Take Survivor, the week of Monday, September 20th, oh, Renee Jay, Montgomery. You- Renee, oh, no! congratulations.
1: <laughs> what do you have to say? my You know, I have to say that I'm sorry to my cousin for putting their business all out in the streets. <laughs> Kendra, I hope your cousin is good. Elijah, I'm sorry that direct democracy did this to you. And Zuri, I'm sorry that we all couldn't win. But I'm happy to be here on Take Survivor and get another dub. It's been a minute, okay? Folks,
2: that has been it for Take Survivor. Join us next time to see who will win. Goodbye. That's it for us. Follow and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And check out my new podcast, X-Ray Vision. Check it out, folks. See you next week. Let's go! TakeLine is a Crooked Media production. The show is produced by Carlton Gillespie and Zuri Irvin. Our executive producers are myself and Sandy Gerard. Our contributing producers are Caroline Reston, Elijah Cohn, and Jason Gallagher. Engineering, editing, and sound design by Sarah Gibel laska and the folks at Chapter 4. And our theme music is produced by Brian Vasquez.
0: At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than a life policy. It's about the promise and the responsibility that comes with being a new parent, being there day and night, and building a plan for tomorrow, today. For the ones you'll always look out for, trust Amica Life Insurance. Amica empathy is our best policy. Saving money in your next project with help from arts Move water where you need it quickly with a Barracuda sump pump. Sump pumps keep your basement dry when big storms hit unexpectedly. Get a half-horsepower cast-iron Barracuda sump pump on sale now through May 5th. Hurry into Menards, and don't forget to check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals
4: happening now.
2: Save big money at Menards.